We're back with our second podcast with folks with, from GED, and today we're speaking about the end of employment. Yeah, so welcome back, um, Falk, and good, good to be with you again. And going to open up with, with quite a general question. So what protections against dismissal do employees enjoy that employers in France need to be aware of? Um, employees um, enjoy uh, quite a strong protection, actually, in France um, against um, dismissal, uh, I think. Uh, we're uh, well known for that to a certain extent. Um, the, the, the basic thing to know is that um, we do not have such a um, concept as employment at will in France. Uh, the employer must always have a cause in order to, um, to terminate um, an employment agreement. And the employer must always follow a, a specific procedure, by the way, uh, which generally involves uh, first holding an interview with the employee to discuss the cause for the uh, envisage uh, dismissal. And second, uh, sending a dismissal letter to the employee confirming the, the cause uh, behind the, the dismissal. Well, the cause may be either based on personal grounds, whether uh, disciplinary or non-disciplinary grounds, or they can be business related. Uh, like the need to cut costs, to stop losses, or to, to avoid making losses. Indeed, and in, in the UK, we have um, the unfair dismissal claim, which I'll come on to um, in a sort of broader context in a few moments. But in terms of, uh, of the sort of protections that a French employee would have if the employer gets that wrong, if they don't have the right type of reason, and they don't follow the right type of process. Can you just give us a bit, bit more information on sort of what that gives to the employee in terms of a remedy? Sure. Um, the, the remedy for um, any dismissed employee um, against a, a dismissal is to, uh, to challenge uh, the cause or the grounds put forward by, by the employer in the court uh, after the dismissal. Um, so, Typically, um, a dismissed employee um, who believes um, he was unfairly dismissed would go to the employment tribunal and ask for uh, damages uh, for unfair dismissal. Um, in most of the cases, um, the employee cannot ask to be uh, reinstated in, um, in the company. Um, however, there are some exceptions uh, when the dismissal was not only unfair, but actually null and void, for example, um, because you dismiss, uh, the employer dismissed a, a pregnant employee, uh, then the employee can decide either to ask for damages or to ask for reinstatement in the company. Yeah, okay, that, that's clear. I mean, definitely some similarities with the UK regime, as I touched on, we have the unfair dismissal claim, you need two years service to bring that claim, um, and effectively to avoid exposure, similar to France, the UK employer has to have one of a limited number of reasons and follow a fair process. But one of the issues with our regime is that compensation is capped at the lower of a year's salary or, or, or a number around 
£90,000. So in the light of that cap on compensation, employees often bring a discrimination claim or, or even these days, um, perhaps also or, or separately, a whistleblowing claim where compensation is potentially uncapped. Do you have the same issue around discrimination and potentially whistleblowing claims in France? Yes, we, we do have um, quite the same issue in France. Um, well, first, um, except in case of dismissal based on gross or willful misconduct, any dismissed employee uh, must be paid uh, a severance amount by the employer, um, the amount of which is calculated by, uh, by reference to, to the French labor code or to the sector bargaining agreement if it provides for a, for a more favorable calculation formula. Um, and, and then, as I said, any dismissed employee can take legal action to, to challenge the cause put forward by the employer to justify the termination. Um, and if the employee prevails in court, the court will order the employer to pay damages in accordance with the loss actually suffered and demonstrated by the employee. Uh, but since uh, 2017, within a legal scale, which includes um, a minimum and a maximum, uh, depending on the uh, employee's length of service at the time of, of dismissal. Um, and since 2017, some employees, well, first, some employees have claimed that the scale should not be applied um, when it does not allow an appropriate indemnification of the employee. And, and some courts actually have accepted, have accepted this. Um, and therefore, we are eagerly waiting for a clarification from the, the Court de Cassation, our, our Supreme Court for, for civil matters. And then second, um, quite similar to what you have in, in the UK, um, as the legal scale for damages does not apply in, in certain cases, um, notably where uh, the employee was discriminated or harassed, um, well, we've had since then um, much more claims uh, in, in this respect um, in, in court, um, well, yeah, claims of discrimination or harassment um, allegedly um, suffered by, by employees. Um, and, uh, and, and yes, indeed, there's been a, quite, a, quite an increase of the number of uh, court actions based on, on these grounds. That's really interesting because actually I think we certainly I thought that the UK was a bit of an outlier in that I think there's other jurisdictions where they don't seem to have the kind of big rise in discrimination claims um, because they haven't got this kind of distinction between the caps but that's interesting that France is is going the same going the same way as the UK in that respect um, and separate in the UK so separate to the unfair dismissal protection um, employers need to obviously comply with the contract of employment when they're terminating and this usually requires notice to be given unless it's kind of very serious um, kind of gross misconduct dismissal. Um, and the contract will often give the employer a right to place the employee on garden leave or pay in lieu of that notice. Um, what, what do employers need to think about in, when they're giving notice in France? And do you have concepts similar to garden leave and paying in lieu of notice? Yes, we have quite similar concepts, um, actually. Um, first, the low imposes to give notice in case of dismissal, except, uh, as you said, um, in case of serious misconduct, but otherwise uh, notice must be given. Um, 
It's one month or two months, according to the French labor code, depending on the employee's length of service. Um, however, most uh, sector collective bargaining agreements provide for, for longer notice periods. Um, typically, that would be two months for um, um, lower rank employees and, and three months for uh, higher ranked employees like managers or executives. Um, the employment contract may provide for an even longer notice period, but it's quite unusual in, in France. Um, th and then it is lawful and, and actually quite standard uh, to send an employee on garden leave um, during the, the notice period. The one thing that is interesting to know in this respect is that from the moment an employee is sent on garden leave, um, he can start working for another employer. Um, although he still gets payment in lieu of notice from the, his previous employer. So, um, and if there is a non-compete covenant, um, it starts from the day the employee is sent on garden leave. Whereas if there is no non-compete covenant, this means the employee can start working for a competitor from the day he is sent on garden leave. And although again, um, he continues to get uh, his salary from uh, the previous employer. That's really interesting. That's 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 quite different to the UK. So obviously in the UK, garden leave, you can't work for anybody else. You're still an employee, and you yeah. you are you are um, kind of I suppose loyal to them, if that makes sense. But it is it is common that non compete periods would reduce by the period of, of garden leave. So there's, there's similarities in that sense. And just moving on to our, to our next question. Um, are there any groups of employees who have special protection against dismissal? Yes, um, there are two types, uh, I, I would say, of uh, increased protection for, for certain employees. Um, first, um, in, there is an increased protection in relation with um, um, health conditions. So th this includes uh, increased protection for pregnant um, women um, for which the dismissal is only possible in case of gross misconduct or um, so-called uh, impossibility to maintain the job position. But that's actually strict, well, more or less uh, only applicable in case of complete closure of, of the business. Um, there's an increased protection in case of uh, um, maternity or paternity leave. Uh, where during which dismissal is simply impossible. Um, also in case of work-related accidents, um, someone who's on, a, on, on leave further to a work-related accident cannot be dismissed, again, only uh, with the exception, only if there is a, a gross misconduct on behalf of the employee or impossibility to maintain the job position. So that's all of this uh, is the first category of uh, increased protection um, that uh, certain employees benefit from. And then there's also another increased protection for staff representatives. Um, since an employer um, must obtain uh, an authorization from the Labour Administration in order to uh, dismiss any uh, uh, staff representative. And more or less, the Labour Administration will make the same assessment as uh, the court would do 
after the termination for uh, a non-protected employee, except that here it, it makes this assessment prior to the dismissal. And if the labor administration considers that there is no valid ground uh, to dismiss uh, the, the staff representative, then it will just not grant the authorization and the employer will have to, uh, to, to retain uh, the, the staff representative in the headcount. Interesting stuff. Well, look, one area that's sort of slightly anathema to, to UK employment lawyers is, is the role of um, works councils and other employee representative bodies. And we're going to come on to that in more detail in our final podcast covering um, other sort of non-hiring and uh, dismissal issues in France. But in the context of dismissals, Falk, what, what sort of role do works councils and other representative bodies have? Um, they do not always have a role, but um, sometimes they do. Um, and, and specifically in, in two situations. Uh, first and, and most importantly, where an employer wants to uh, eliminate several positions based on economic grounds. Um, so to basically to implement a collective redundancy, um, the employer must go through a prior consultation of the Works Council. Um, and, and the length and the complexity actually of this uh, consultation procedure depends, um, well, first on the employer's headcount and, and second on, on the number of envisaged uh, redundancies. But that's, that's a, a consultation, meaning that the employer needs an opinion, um, whether positive or, or negative. Um, the employer does not need the approval from, from the works council. So um, the employer can, can implement a collective redundancy in spite of a negative opinion uh, from, from the works council, but uh, it must absolutely um, get uh, collect this uh, opinion from, from the works council prior to, to implementing the, the redundancy. And then second, um, for, for staff representatives, um, as I've said just before, they, they, they enjoy a, a specific protection against dismissal. Um, the employer needs an authorization from the labor administration, uh, but also uh, prior to, to making a, a request to the labor administration for an authorization to dismiss a staff representative, the employer must uh, consult uh, the works council. Um, and, 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 and most of the time the opinion would be uh, negative uh, because what's at stake here is the dismissal of one of the members of the works council or a member of a trade union, but anyway, a staff representative. Very good. Okay, so final topic on, on terminations and dismissals. In the UK, most, not all, but most employment disputes are resolved by way of settlement agreements. So the employee waives their claims under a settlement agreement in return for money and possibly some other upsides. Um, is there a sort of similar approach applicable in France? And if so, can you sort of give us a bit more detail on how that might work, Paul, please? Sure, yes, there, there is a, um, similar um, practices in, in France. Um, once the dismissal has been notified to the employee, it's possible to enter into a, a settlement agreement with this employee. Uh, whereby the uh, employer will pay an additional amount of money uh, to the former employee 
in order to avoid a court action or or actually or to stop an already initiated court action. Um, and then probably it's also worth noting that um, rather than dismissing an employee and, and then trying to avoid a dispute through a, a settlement agreement or facing a dispute, uh, another quite uh, popular option in France is to discuss uh, from the outset with the employee the possibility of entering into a, a common consent uh, termination agreement. Um, in the main interest of this option for the employer is the absence of obligation to put forward uh, a cause for the termination. And at the same time, the employer and the employee can then freely discuss the amount of, of the severance um, with the same favorable tax treatment as in case of dismissal. And the employee can uh, claim an employment allowances in the same way as if he had been dismissed. So it's, um, it's a quite uh, frequent uh, option, well, a quite popular option in, in, in France to uh, discuss common consent terminations. Very good. I mean, that, that's a slightly more complicated regime, I guess, than in the UK, and all the more reason to seek advice early on that type of arrangement. Perfect. Well, that um, uh, completes our, our second podcast in this series. Um, and please join us in the next one where we'll be covering um, other key employment law topics in France.